Welcome to a series of netcasts brought to you by Yale University. Yale Global Online is the flagship publication of the Yale Center for the Study of Globalization and explores the implications of the world's growing interconnectedness through people, products, and ideas. Chilean Rescue Offers Lessons in Globalization by Susan Fretchel, read by Patricia Alejandro. For 24 hours last week, the world was riveted on Chile. Major news channels, from BBC to CNN, suspended programming to follow the rescue of 33 miners trapped deep beneath the Earth's surface. Viewers around the world held a collective breath as the global media bought common focus to persist problems for miners, invisible soldiers in a battle to extract minerals from a hungry world, and highlighted unprecedented international cooperation. One mining publication called the High Profile Rescue a great triumph for Chile and the global mining industry. While the rescue had a happy ending, it displayed a risk-averse global society that demands comforts at low costs, prioritizes profits over safety, and delays regulation while swiftly collaborating during crisis. Neither consumers nor industries enjoy paying upfront for unplanned events, and this is true of the mining industry. The Chilean rescue, estimated to cost up to, up to $20 million, could leave insurance firms and investors scratching their heads about the next unplanned event and inevitable comparisons. The boards of companies, in particular those of global organizations, have become more concerned with ensuring that their management teams have robust and fit-for-purpose risk management processes in place, explains a 2008 Australian document on managing mining industry risk. Chile holds about 30% of the world's copper reserves. China, with its own reserves, is the biggest user. Surging demand in Asia has brought near-record prices in global copper markets, enticing small mining firms to amp up operations to supply the metal for homes, vehicles, and countless electronics. While large Chilean mining firms have above-average safety records, small San Esteban operated sole mine with high debt. After the collapse, the company admitted lacking resources to mount a rescue. In hours, the government turned to Colderco, the state-owned company that called on experts from around the globe. The waiting men stretched a two-day supply of food for two weeks as rescuers drilled a small hole and discovered on August 22nd that the men were alive. Adding to the atmosphere of a great sporting event, the Chilean government coordinated teams from South Africa, the U.S., and Canada and approved drilling three man-sized holes, also relying on New Zealand sensors, Australian 3D mapping technology, Japanese video technology, and a global bounty of health, shipping, and entertainment supplies. As drilling proceeded, Chile's Navy constructed the capsule used to lift the men from 700 meters below, relying on some of 75 designs sent by NASA and other government agencies. The U.S. team, including a U.S. SRAM rig donated by a nearby U.K. mining firm and a custom drill bit from Centerrock, a U.S. firm that specializes in opening large holes, broke through first ahead of schedule. Centerrock's CEO traveled to Chile to oversee the operation. Drill operator Jeff Hart was pulled from drilling military water wells in Afghanistan, 
California-based Oakley donated stylish sunglasses for the miners' exit from the shaft. Collaboration was in full display, both above ground and below, for the media gathering. No one miner took credit for restoring spirits. No single company took credit for the rescue operation, and perhaps that spurred the media fervor. Front Row Analytics estimated that the Oakley donation alone, 35 sunglasses at $200, was worth $40 million in global television advertising. Viewers around the world, however, had their own context for assessing the magnitude of scenes from Chile. In China, where mining accidents rarely make national headlines, media covered the rescue in detail, but avoided linking it with devastating domestic accidents and poor response. For example, in March, managers of a coal mine in northern China ignored reports of leaks and a shaft flooded. 108 were rescued early, 115 more than a week later, leaving the rest trapped and presumed dead. Chinese bloggers, though, did not hesitate to compare bitterly, complaining about China's lack of safety precautions. Eerily, hours after the last trapped worker emerged in Chile, an explosion in a central China coal mine killed 21 and trapped 16, shifting international attention to dismal scenes of another rescue attempt, weeping families in China's safety record. China had 2,631 mining fatalities in 2009, compared to 35 in Chile and 34 in the U.S. Tolerance to occupational, financial, and environmental hazards varies widely around the globe. As prices rise, firms explore greater depths, small firms enter the market, inexperienced workers are hired, and dangerous mines are reopened. While the global financial crisis has slowed some risk appetite, according to a 2010 Ernst & Young report, responsible firms struggle to compete against irresponsible firms. Global investors remain wary of industry unknowns and potential for ruined reputations that devalue investments. Perceptions of danger could aggravate the industry's severe skill shortage, leading to cross-border poaching. The report notes only 15% of mining engineering graduates in South Africa enter the industry. Ours is an increasingly interdependent global economy, and risks that can damage your business can arise in any market sector, the report concludes. Back in Chile, the world's media glare had predictable consequences. Anticipating film deals, the men made a pact to share proceeds from the event. Global gifts of cash, iPods, trips to Greek islands, and Elvis Presley's home in Memphis, Tennessee, flowed to the men. The outpouring of donations to a select group perhaps assuages guilt over society's refusal to pay higher costs for regulations and safety. In truth, risk-averse societies prefer fairy tales and denial to realistic statistics on risk or tales of grueling work routines or long-term safety planning. Some industries progress by promising the worst cannot happen. The Chilean rescue depended on donated time and equipment. There's no guarantee of goodwill emerging for future rescues. The government announced closure of the San Jose mine. Options for the mine included storing mining waste or renting shafts to financially secure firms. Rumors persist in Chilean media that multiple drill holes and advanced technology exposed new gold veins in the mine, reports the Santiago Times. One rescued miner, Edison Peña, 
admitted anger to Al Jazeera. Why do these things have to happen? Because the employer to make money tells the worker, just go in. The mountain is making noises, but no, go on in, go on in. Mining project risks must be considered over the long term, suggests the Australian document on risk. Failure to do so imposes extra costs for individual operations or the global industry as a whole. The document urges Australia's mining industry to abide by the precautionary principle, as stated in the 1992 Rio Declaration on Environment and Development, in protecting against environmental harm or threats to human, animal, or plant life. Lack of full scientific certainty shall not be used as a reason for postponing cost-effective measures. New regulations could cost billions. The Chilean government promises an investigation while doubling the number of inspectors and closing 20 other small mines. The nation's regulatory agency had 18 inspectors for several hundred mines. Disaster prevention can never be as thrilling as triumphing over a crisis. Steady prevention and solid safety records capture few headlines, movie deals, or speaking invites. With the internet, global statistics on production and safety records for industries and miners are at fingertips of workers, investors, and consumers. Risk is inevitable, but intentions do matter. Those who knowingly take on the consequences of risk are heroes. Shifting the consequences to the poor or future generations is unconscionable. Susan Frutschel, former assistant editor of Yale Global Online, is author of three mystery books. This and other Yale Global articles can be found at yaleglobal.yale.edu.